Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, Hawks fans. Your boy Bryce Lewis back at it again for another Believe in Hawks episode. Hawks coming off an exciting overtime victory over the Philadelphia 76ers in a game that the Hawks needed winning 139 to 132 in a game where the future of the front court, Jalen Johnson and Ayeka Okongwu, have showed themselves once again. Also, getting some big buckets and some big plays late from guys like Trey and DeJounte, like usual. Also, three players, 25-plus points, all have at least five-plus assists. Also, showing the ball movement between three guys, Jalen, Trey, and DeJounte, that is needed for them to be able to maintain the type of offense that they want to be, but also one of the biggest things in this game, getting key stops as well. So we're going to break that all down to for you today on the Believe in Hawks episode. Also, guys, if it's first time watching the podcast, listen. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like the video, show your boy some love. If you're listening through audio, leave a rating, leave a review. And if you want to follow me on social media for all my Hawks takes, follow me at Bricey underscore 2K so we can talk, conversate, and discuss what's happening with our Atlanta Hawks. As obviously we know we're in a very active time for this team going right now. So, yeah, like I said, we're going to talk about the Sixers game. Um, and then we're going to talk and just talk, break that down, break down what I saw uh, break down some good things from there, and then we'll try. We'll, we'll we'll take a look at the next game against the Pacers and a rematch of a game that I would hope the Hawks want to get revenge in. And you know, obviously, they're starting a home a, a home stand right now in Atlanta. So obviously, if you're in Atlanta, go ahead support the team. Go out there. I know it hasn't been the best season so far, but still should support the guys as they try to you know get this season back on track. Even though there's some big changes that could be looming in the wake pretty soon here. So, like I said, a lot going on right now. But let's go ahead and get into it, man. So, Hawks man had a large injury report yesterday, unexpected, kind of was just random. Both of the Matthews had injuries. Clint was out randomly. Obviously, Hunter was out. Gay was out. Um, they were expected to be out. Um, DeJounte had a hamstring he played. Trey had something he was probable. I mean, I don't have the entire injury list in front of me. Um, they just had a lot of people who, who were on that list uh, yesterday. Um, and some people were wondering, huh, it's weird that when you just have a randomly big list and everybody's sitting out, like, it's just like, is there something going on? Like, is there particular players they want to play? Like, what, what, you know, you know, cause you know how it is, man. Like, Literally, like, you know, when you play an NBA season, you know, you got little, little small injuries. Like, you got some soreness. Oh, I got a sore knee, coach. All right, we'll sit you out tonight. That's what it kind of felt like, you know, from 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 the inside, outside looking in. It was like, okay, we have a lot of injuries. Interesting. So I thought this was going to lead to the young guys playing. I was wrong, which we'll talk about. <laughs> but it did end up hurting this team in this particular game. Sixers didn't have Jalel Embiid in this game, but the Sixers have a lot of quality depth. I think that's one thing that they got from that Clippers trade when they traded James Harden. Is they got a lot of depth. They have a lot of players who can play, you know, who even if they lose Jalel, it's not like they don't have anybody after that. They have some good quality pieces after Jalel Embiid so they can still maintain a good play even when he's not playing in the game, as the Hawks saw yesterday. But, in and of itself, the Hawks were able to come into this game. You know, obviously, you're kind of in this situation where you're kind of – it's like you're on the edge of tanking, but you're also, like, still in playing potential. And then you have all these trade rumors. So it's kind of like, okay, what is this team going to do? Uh, where is this team – like, you know, what, what's going to happen? Especially during this homestand. I said this month of January could, imp- like, mean big implications for this team moving forward. 
not saying that there won't be trades, but just it may change something if they ended up having a good month, a strong month, and got closer to 500. Uh, you know, so today, you know, I mean, yesterday, technically, when I'm recording, is it? Uh, you know, they played the Sixers, and it was a game that was kind of close throughout. It was back and forth throughout. Uh, Trey didn't have the greatest first half. He, he was struggling. It was not a great offensive game overall for Trey. A lot of his points were, were you know, free throw, and then he was able to get some shots going late in the game, second half, fourth quarter. Um, but, but he made plays when they needed to. Uh, you know, he ended up with 28 in the game and 11 assists. You know, DeJounte Murray, 25, 5, and 5. A lot of people have been making comments about his play, saying his play is kind of reminding them of a guy who has something to prove. You know, he's trying to prove something in his play, and you're hearing these trade rumors. And I've heard people say he's trying to prove maybe to other teams, but I've also heard people say he's trying to show the team, like, don't trade me, and da-da-da-da-da. I have no idea what DeJounte's mind is right where it is right now, what he's trying to prove. Obviously, if he's going to play well, then I'm not going to sit here and trip about it. I'm not going to sit here and be mad about it. He was five or seven on three yesterday, so his three ball was there yesterday. He and he and he did and he did some good work. He did some good work for sure. Also, especially since he had that matchup with Maxi at the end of the game, trying to defend him uh, towards the end. They still can't find his shot from three. The fall off his fifth three point shot has been crazy. I mean, he was hot last year when he got traded. Now he can't buy a three. Luckily, he's still. You know, he's a, he's a strong guy, so he's able to get into the paint, get those. He's good on, like, you know, you know, attacking the rim on rebounds, getting putbacks, getting fouled, things like that. That's where he can sometimes make up some for some of the lack of three-point shooting that he has, he's been given to the team. Uh, and that's how he's still able to kind of be effective. He had 10 rebounds. Uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll get into a Yucca, Kongu, and Jalen Johnson. So with those two, obviously, like, We'll talk about Okongu first. So Okongu has been a guy who is, I think, has had a very inconsistent season. They gave him an extension before the season, but he's had a very inconsistent season. And a lot of people are, I feel like when a Yucca has a good game, people are like, oh, yeah, Yucca Okongu, future center of the future. But when he has a bad game, it's like, all right, I don't know if Yucca is that good. You know, I, I, I you get to get both sides of the spectrum every time Yucca has a good game or a bad game. Tonight was a game, this it was a game that they needed from him. Um, I always like to say Yeka is not obviously the biggest player. He's like 6'9", right? Sometimes when he plays, he plays bigger than 6'9". Sometimes you you feel his presence. And there are other games where you don't feel his presence. One thing Quinn Snyder said before the Felix the Sexers game is that one thing he wanted to talk to Yeka about was just being more consistent. Consistency with how he plays. Because he's not. And the thing is, is that I think he, I think he has some hops. He he was a rim protector tonight. Yucca Kongu was all over the defensive glass. He was he. I mean, you know, people. You know, I, he only got credit for two blocks, but I felt like he affected and altered so many shots tonight, especially in that overtime period. He was all over who was going into the paint from the Sixers, whether it was Maxi Harris, any of them. He was he was on those shots, getting key, getting, get helping, getting key stops. Because that was one thing that. You know, people are wondering about what a Yeka is that, like, he's 6'9". So, I mean, obviously, you look at that, think, okay, there's probably not a lot of rim protection there. But Yeka can block shots, and Yeka can defend at the rim. It's just, again, I don't know if it's effort. I don't know if it's consistency. Maybe it's because I don't, I don't I don't, know what it is, but you don't see that from him all the time. And seeing him that from him in the Sixers game was a very 
was a very graceful sight because you, you, you it shows you what he is capable of. Ayeka Kongu, I think, can be a guy who can get you close to a double-double a night, but give you more offensively than Clint can give you. He's a better offensive player overall than Clint Capella. We know that. Clint Capella is very limited offensively. Ayeka has has a three ball, can hit a midi if he needs to, and has better touch around the rim than Clint. He also, I think, could be a really good role partner as well. So I think for him, you know, last night was a game that we really needed to see. Some people wonder, well, did Clint sit because they want to see Eka in a starting role again? And this is also the first time he's played in a starting role with Jalen Johnson, another guy who can who is who can create space, a spacer. Is, he's a he's a different type of player. You know, we usually try to see the Eka Clint lineup, right, where Eka is the four, right, and he's the guy who's creating space because Clint's going to be in the paint. But with this particular front court, which is what a lot of people view as the front court of the future, this front court kind of showed you its dynamicness. It showed you, okay, they they both were both were active on the boards. They both um, can shoot the ball. They both have good touch around the rim. Getting that type of production from your front court that Jalen and Ayaka gave you last night is exactly what I think within Quinn's system they need. <laughs> they need that type of production. You need that type of effectiveness from your two front court players. I'm not even talking about three. I'm talking about the four and the five. And so – that in and of itself, I think, really presented itself last night with Clint Capella. I mean, I think about Yaka Okongwu. Because luckily, yes, Embiid did not play. His biggest opponent was Mo Bamba, right? And, you know, Mo Bamba is not this elite player. We know that. We get that. We completely understand that. But like I said, it was the, it was the fact that they were able to get that type of production from him in that situation from a guy who has been inconsistent. Because the other, the, the only other time Clint Capella, I believe, not Clint Capella. Why do I keep saying Clint Capella? Ayaka Okongwu started this year was I I could be wrong he probably he might have started another game as a center and I just can't remember that game but I remember the Cleveland game where he struggled Bruno was the better center in that game and a lot of people were like well Bruno's playing better than Okongwu at the center position what does that mean you know and obviously you know Cleveland has a very big front line and those are the teams that yes you could probably say Ayaka will struggle against because of that. that's just how it is same thing Clint He's great against bigger teams, but he play him against smaller teams. He's kind of ineffective for you. You kind of can't play him at times. Same thing for Yeke. You're gonna have to go through that situation where, you know, he may be, if you play a really big team, Yeke might not have his best game. But that also is something that he can develop. Maybe something that he can work on. How can I be effective against bigger teams? You know what I'm saying? How can I impact the game differently in those ways? And that and that comes with reps and playing time. Which again, I've also said, you know, with all the trade stuff going on with Yeke Okongwu. Realistically, I've always viewed him as the third person that that is untouchable in terms of like un, very unlikely to be traded because of the fact that you just gave him an extension. And you and, and the thing about Yek is you drafted him as, as a top six pick. I feel like you could not trade the Yeka Akangu until you let him be the starter and then make your determination if he is or not, or if you need to get rid of him or not. You cannot tell me based off what you get off from the bench if he is worth keeping or not. Because why would you draft a player in the top six for him just to be a bench player? And it's not like he was a starter and then we realized, yeah, he's not a starter. It's he's never gotten the opportunity on a consistent basis to show that. So this, you know, depending what happens at the deadline, Clint gets moved, then obviously you would assume this would mean Yaka gets the starting job. And then that would be able to give the front office a clear idea. Okay, what is Ayaka Kangu as a starter, 30 minutes a night with Jalen Johnson and the guys and see what that looks like, right? But he was big tonight. 
big all over the floor, had one of his best games of the season, I think, as a Hawk. And then you get the Jalen Johnson. Now, obviously, Jalen Johnson has emerged as this, this two-way player who a lot of people have high expectations for. A lot of people think he can be the best player on the team. A lot of people think he can just really take control of the game and really, you know, just get a handle on being a guy who can impact the game on both ends. Tonight was another example. He had seven assists tonight. We've always knew Jalen Johnson is a underrated, really good passer. His good court vision, you know, something that I think some people, and I've included, want to see him more maybe in a point forward role at times, uh, pushing on fast breaks, things like that. Obviously, he is a one-man fast break if he wants to be. There's just a lot of guys that I think Jalen needs to realize, and I think that's something he's learning and growing in. That's making him realize, listen, I can go towards the paint. I can drive towards the paint. I can be physical. I can go hard towards the, the, the rim, and guys can't stop me. Guys can't get in front of me. Guys can't can't hold me up. And there were times last night the Sixers had no answers for him because Jalen just puts his head down. He's aggressive. This is one thing I want him to be. He's aggressive. He's been much more aggressive since he's came back from his injury. And then he's kind of, and it's showed because now he's getting consistently 20 points a game because he's been more aggressive in that role. And so he was big. He was big on the boards. Jalen, again, is not seven foot, but Jalen, he gives off that vibe. The thing about Jalen that I will say he does consistently is he plays bigger than his height. Jalen plays like he's a bigger player. Like he, he, like I said, he's a guy, like I said, you can watch a game and you, and you don't even have to watch basketball. You can watch a game. And you can watch maybe one or two minutes of basketball and you can look at Jalen Johnson and tell, like, I can tell already he's one of the best players. I can tell he's one of the best players on the court because of his, his, he gives off that, that energy or as, or as some people say, uh, that, that he is a really good player and that he can really be that guy. And so and he had a big night yesterday that they needed, you know, and, Listen, he he had 25, 16 rebounds. Getting that type of production from Jalen Johnson is incredible with seven assists, shooting over 50%, three or four from three, two blocks, one steal. I mean, he 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 did everything last night. And that's why I think so many people are excited for Jalen Johnson. And that's why the Hawks in general should build around Trey and Jalen Johnson because Jalen Johnson is the elite wing you need in a, in a league that everybody needs wings. Everybody wants a wing. Everybody wants that two-way guy who can go against because there's other great wings. And Jalen is that for the Hawks. So him having that type of game just kind of shows his maturation, maturation process and shows that the improvement that he has made as a player and why, like I said, he's a very exciting guy. People are excited for Jalen. People are excited for what's to come. People are excited for what's going to happen and think that he can continue to be just an ascending player. Listen, he may not get obviously all-star love from people this year, but next year, I definitely would expect Jalen Johnson to be in the all-star race for sure in the Eastern Conference because plays like this, I don't see how you don't. You know, and like I said, I think Jalen just is continuing to to wow us, continuing to grow before our eyes, continuing to play at a high level um, and just continuing to show people that, you know, he really is. He's him. He's, he has arrived and he is here to stay. Uh, 
you know, and so I'm, I'm excited for Jalen. I'm excited for what is to come. I'm excited for what is next uh, for him. And I'm just hoping that we continue to see the consistency that we have seen from him in these last few games. Listen, because, you know, for him to, it's it's all about, for Jalen, getting more confidence in certain situations, being able to develop in particular situations. Like I said, I said this a couple episodes ago. I said, I kind of want Jalen to be more involved in end of game, pick and roll, two-man action with Trey or DeJounte because he is an effective player who can shoot and can get to the rim. And I feel like that's how – and that's what can help their their sometimes clutch moment uh, struggles when it comes to you know scoring the ball is the fact that it doesn't have to be ISO guard, let me get past you. It could be, you know, we could set Jalen up or Jalen could be a connector or someone like that that can help, you know – run it and, and make it a more efficient offense for everybody involved. So for me, just continuing that growth development in situation, because here's something that is, is interesting. Glenn Willis, a guy I highly respect and I hope to get on the show here pretty soon. You know, he's the guy who kind of looks at things from a coach perspective and really breaks down the game really, really well. Uh, just about what they're doing, the things they're trying to do, things like, you know, it's a more deeper in-depth breakdown of a guy who has knowledge of the game and, and the different types of plays, uh, schemes, things like that. And he made a, and he made a tweet last night. One, at one point in the game when the Hawks were in overtime in the, in the quarter, people were tweeting about Bogdanovich, like why Bogey, Bogey isn't in the game. And Glenn after the game made an interesting uh, observation. And he said, the thing is, is that, he basically, I'll paraphrase it. He was basically like, one reason why Bogey may not be playing late is because it, it will allow Jalen Johnson to grow in those situations. It will allow him to be able to be more um, active in clutch situations, end of game stretches, things like that, and get more experience on how what he can do in those situations to be effective. And, and it was an interesting take because obviously, you know, a lot of people feel, especially without DeAndre Hunter, people are like, okay, Bogey's one of our best players. Like, he needs to be out there, you know, and not Bay. Because Bay, you know, sometimes, like I said, hasn't been effective with the three ball and things like that. And they both kind of play differently, too. So people prefer what Bogey brings. Plus, more teams are scared of Bogey than than Bay. And, you know, and, and, and he said basically Quinn may be looking at this from a bigger picture perspective. And, you know, here's the thing that that told me. And this is something I think people forget about we when we watch the game we we make a lot of decisions just based off who should play who should do this he needs to do this but sometimes it's like as a coach there's so many more things that you have to think about so that's why when something doesn't make sense it's like you know it's like well, why are we doing that and that and honestly here's the thing you gotta think about obviously DeJounte and Trey are number one and number two options in that situation just from the way they've played this season Number one, number two options. If you put Bogey in the game there, he's technically your third option. As much as Jalen is the third, is probably top three player on the on the Hawks side of the court. Bogey is the third option. Like 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 like, like the, I'm, and I'm basing this off the way they have played when they're on the floor. We want Jalen to be the third option regardless, but when 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 Dejounte or Trey needs someone to bail him out, they go to Bogey. Bogey's a guy they trust to have the ball in his hand and make a play. And so 
that technically makes Jalen the fourth option in those situations. When Bogey's not on the floor, Jalen Johnson is the third option. And now it's more likely that they'll play through him, like I said, with two-man action, uh, pick and roll, different things like that, so then he can get more involved. And, you know, I mean, one of the biggest things, like I said, Jalen, you know, what you want to see improvement is just those situations where, like, hey, we need big buckets down the stretch. We need big plays down the stretch. That's something that comes with reps and experience, you know. But we want you to be actively involved in that because you are one of our better players. So that allows him to get the ability to be involved in that. So basically, the Hawks and Quinn may be viewing this from perspective of like he picks and chooses when he plays bogey late because he wants Jalen to be more involved and with Trey and Ajante when it comes to those late game situations and stretches. Now, obviously, yes, if there's games where it's like, okay, bogey needs to be in there, okay, he'll be in there. But I think it's making him get more comfortable. And I think it, it, it allows him to feel like, okay, Jalen has, has playing a really good game right now. I don't feel like I need Bogey on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Because remember, when Jalen was still getting his confidence early in the season, you know, you would probably feel like, okay, we probably definitely need, you know, I mean, obviously Hunter would probably be finishing the game if this team was healthy. Realistically, it would be DeAndre Hunter. Which even in that situation, I feel like Jalen would be the third option to me. If the Hunter's here. Because then I, I, I just, I mean, Hunter could do something, but I just I feel like the way Jalen is now, if Hunter comes back, Jalen would be the third option in those situations. It's only when Bogey's on the floor, just because of how much Bogey does to the team and how much belief and then trust they have in him when he's on the court. So you know, I, I think Jalen takes these opportunities to just continue to get better. Because that's all you really want to see. One of the biggest goals of the season, I think, is just letting Jalen Johnson grow and becoming the monster that I think a lot of people think he can become and becoming the player that a lot of people think he can become. So, you know, I really, really look forward to seeing that moving forward and, and seeing how that ends. But, yeah, I just wanted to spiel about two players. You know, just had to give them – got to give them love. Also, Yekka Kong, we're feeding families again, by the way. <laughs> Uh, but nah, but overall in the game, like I said, let me break down the end of the game for you guys. So basically, Trey missed the free throw, hit the second one to get the game into overtime. Gosh, Trey on the next possession before overtime was able to get a strip on Tyrese Maxey as he was driving to the rim, which helped the Hawks get an overtime big defensive play there. Then overtime, Sixers got a couple of baskets. It's like, oh, here we go. Hawks seem like they're falling apart. Tyrese Maxey fouled out. When Trey Young was able to draw a foul on him, and then the, and then the fortunes of the team changed. Hawks were able to get stops. Jalen Johnson played a big role in that. Ayeka Kongo played a big role in that. Trey was able to get some shots to fall. Um, Bay was able to get a big shot late, and basically they they got stops at the end of the game that they needed to get to win this ball game, and that's something that has been missing from this team in a lot of these clutch situations. Is that it's like when you watch them defensively. In those in those situations, especially when the offense isn't going, because this is something that happens. Your offense isn't always going to be falling, so you need to be able to count. Can we get some stops, or can we create turnovers to get points? Hawks were able to do that in this game. They were able to get some key turnovers from guys like Bogey, from guys like Jalen, from guys like Dejounte, and that helped them get better offense. That still helped them going, even if they weren't doing well in the half court. 
And like I said, they were able to get multiple stops at the end of the Sixer game so they could go on to win the game, which they won by seven in overtime. And that ultimately is just the key to this team trying to be better. I mean, that's been the biggest issue. It's just they'll go cold and then they can't get stops. And it will happen simultaneously. It's like they both like both things. It's not, okay, they're not making shots, but they're getting stops or they're making shots, but they can't get stops. It's, well, they can't, well, they've done a lot more of making shots and not getting stops, but there are some times where they can't make shots and then they can't get stops. And this was a game where they were able to make shots and get stops. And Quinn Snyder said something after the game. He said to them in the locker room, he was like, we trust each other tonight. Because that's the biggest thing. When, when the Hawks have these strong defensive before, and, and I've said this too, even in the Orlando game, the game we lost, like, remember, at the end of the regulation, it was 105-105. I feel like the Hawks have made strides defensively. I just think there's just still clunkiness and issues with the team that has affected them, and then spacing. And that's why it's interesting with the rotation they've had to throw out there tonight where you're throwing out Trent Forrest and Patty Mills and guys like that, that spacing was better tonight, and that helped them offensively, but then you were still able to maintain some some good play defensively. Now, yes, you still it was a 132-139 game, so offensively you, it was still a bunch of points scored. But it's about those situational pieces of the game and, and tonight situationally the Hawks play well I've said the one thing the Hawks have struggled in is finishing quarters and ending quarters well starting quarters sometimes and the finishing quarters and then situationally just getting key stops and tonight they were able to do that against the Sixers obviously yes when they lost Tyrese Maxey when they fouled out that obviously opened up better opportunity for the Hawks because you know you don't have the Sixers main offensive player out there your, your one option at that point is what Tobias Harris which ain't nobody scared of Tobias Harris so that helped, but I I just think tonight was a really good team win for them, a strong win, and I think more of the brand of basketball that Quinn wants to play, because there's always still been that discussion of, is it also just the fact that they don't have the players that Quinn needs to run his system effectively? That's always going to be a question with Quinn. Do they have the players that can run his system effectively? Is that why the team doesn't work? Because they don't have the players and they're trying to force a system on the players that don't work. And it's not even like every player, it's particular players, but sometimes the key players you need for the system to work, you know, and everything like that. So, you know, luckily they, they were able to get a good win tonight, beat the Sixers in overtime, 139-132. Play in the end and next. Team that blew you out by 34 points. You're on a homestand. I hope that you view this game as a game to get, you know, revenge game. Now, obviously, in this Pacer game, there's no Tyrese Halliburton. He's out right now with a hamstring. So he's not going to play. But Pacers can still score the ball. That's just that's just a built-in offensive thing they can do. They can score the football. What did I say football? They can score the basketball. But no Tyrese Halliburton. Right? So, for the Pacers, if you can get that win, you won two in a row against two two teams, two teams uh, that are more towards the top of the Eastern Conference, and then you play Wizards and, and the Spurs after that, 
two games you should win. Now you'll be, what, 18 and 21 if that happens? Like I said, that could change things. I don't know. Eastern Conference is too weak at the bottom for this to ever truly get away from the Hawks in terms of being a playing team. But that can make you feel better about what you're doing. And then, like I said, the Hawks make changes. Those changes could, as, as much as we think they're going to, we're doing a soft reset. Who says that the team necessarily is going to get worse, so to say? I mean, if the team was 15 to 21 now, I mean, you never know the players and whatever they acquire in these trades might help them play better and might fit better what, what Quinn wants to do. And then that could be what gets them playing better basketball. You never know, but it's something to keep an eye on for sure. And so we'll be interesting Friday against the Pacers. They'll play um, and we'll, we'll see how they do against them. So, but I think that's all we all have here for the Believe in Hawks podcast. Like I said, guys, thank you guys for tuning in and listening to the pod, giving me some love. Like I said, don't forget to subscribe, like like the video. If you listen to this on YouTube, if you listen to this through audio, any audio platform that you're listening to this on, don't forget to rate and like, rate the video, give a uh, leave a comment if you want to as well. Appreciate all and any feedback from you guys. And like I said, just appreciate you guys once again. So this is your Believe in Hawks podcast. This is your boy Bryce Lewis. See you next time.